Welcome to the Calvary Chapel South Bay Sermon Podcast. We are a large, multi-ethnic, multi-generational church in Los Angeles, California, and we'd love to have you visit us for a service if you're in the L.A. area. Visit ccsouthbay.org to learn more about us and to find out service times. If you have any questions, shoot us an email at hello at ccsouthbay.org. Enjoy today's sermon, and we hope to see you at church soon. Good morning. Such a good week uh, with you all this week. Uh, Last Sunday, Thursday night, and then today, uh, I head back home to New Jersey. Tomorrow, uh, we've been doing a three-part series, God's Masterpiece. Uh, Before we get into that, just briefly, I just want to mention, comment on uh, this day, September 11th. I'm just reminded as we're sitting here worshiping and as Adonis was even praying in remembrance of of that day and all those who who lost their lives as we remember the families who lost loved ones and uh, it's just a day that uh, for so many will never forget and during that season during that time I was in high school when that happened and uh, now of course in New Jersey that's right up the road from us we're about an hour from New York City and it it hit really close to home uh, for us there in New Jersey. And uh, I got to go into uh, Manhattan and do some ministry around that time. And, and there was just so much being stirred up within people because of such great suffering. And I just, I think it's something that's worth remembering when we are hurting, when people are hurting Where else do we go? To whom else shall we go? For Jesus, if you alone have the words of eternal life. And you know, maybe you're going through some difficult times. And as you even remember that day 21 years ago, and maybe it had a great impact on you, and, and maybe it had a great impact on your family or the people around you, uh, as, as I remember it myself, my grandmother got saved that day. Uh, that evening, we had a prayer meeting at our church to just come together. We need to pray for our nation. We need to pray that God would work through this time in this season. And that evening, my grandmother at 70-something years old prayed to receive Jesus Christ. And just, amen, amen. Just a couple weeks earlier, uh, I remember having a conversation with my mom even, like, ah, we just got to pray that she comes to Jesus, and, and wondering, is it possible? Is it possible? Could she come to Jesus? She seemed that maybe she wouldn't. She seemed hard-hearted. And I remember saying, you know what, there's hope. And just a couple weeks later, through that uh, great suffering, we saw her surrender her life to Jesus. Now she is with Jesus, and that is a celebration. But those are the times, those are the seasons in great suffering. How can we glorify God? How can we see God glorified? How can we see him move and how can we ask for him to move even in the midst of great suffering? Because we don't have to sorrow as those who have no hope. We have hope in Jesus. So let's be reminded of that uh, as we remember that day. 21 years ago, let's be reminded of the hope that we have in Jesus, that no matter what suffering may come, 
we can still keep our eyes fixed on him. Amen? Amen. Ephesians chapter 2, we continue this week uh, in this three-part series titled God's Masterpiece. This is part three, the final part of this. So far, we have looked at last Sunday that we are his workmanship, his glorious, his beautiful uh, work of art, his poema. Thursday, we talked about how fellowship with God is his workmanship and that work that he's done to bring this together, to bring God and man together. That was his plan from the beginning, sin separated, but God brought us near. And now today, we're going to continue in this, God's masterpiece, and there's so many more things we could get into, but I'm only here for these three studies. And so you guys can continue to dig into Ephesians chapter 2 and beyond and see God's glorious work of art and all the things that he does to bring man near to make a way for fellowship. But now today we continue and we're going to talk about the unity of the church is his workmanship. And so as we begin here in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14, let's read to verse 18. For he himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation having abolished in his flesh the enmity that is the law of commandments contained in ordinances so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace, and that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, therefore, thereby putting to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace to you who were afar off, And to those who were near, for through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word and for your grace and for your goodness, Lord. We thank you that you are always faithful. And we pray that by your word today you would teach us your ways. You would draw us closer to you and that you would make us more like you. God, move in our hearts, work in us today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So today we are talking about the unity of the church. This is a gift and this is part of God's glorious work of art. We, the people of God, redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ, are his workmanship. And that redemption is his workmanship further than fellowship with God. And that reconciliation with God is his workmanship. And now we're talking about not just uh, that we are brought to near to God through the blood of Jesus Christ, but that we are brought near to each other by the blood of Jesus Christ. And that starting with the point that he himself is our peace. We're speaking of Jesus. He is our peace. As we've said that we were far off, now we are brought near to him by the blood of Jesus, who is God in the world, as we talked about and established on Thursday night. And further, Jesus is our peace. Now, he's not just made peace between God and men. 
but he brings peace between Jew and Gentile. A little review, if you weren't here on Thursday night, we talked about this massive divide between the people groups of the Jews and the Gentiles. And, and, and it's not so different from what we see going on in the world today, these massive divides between people groups. Now, there's probably no bigger divide than that which is between the Jews and the Gentiles. As I said on Thursday, I'll remind you of, just in case you weren't here, the, Je- the Jews would wake up and go through their prayers in the morning, and as they would pray, they would say, and thank God I'm not a Gentile. They looked at the Gentiles as the, as the dogs of society, that not even human to some extent. They had so much hatred toward them. There was so much separation between these people groups. But he himself, Jesus, is our peace, who brought us near to God, who brought peace between God and man, and further has brought peace between Jew and Gentile. That is a miracle to bring peace between these people, groups who completely hated each other. And yet here we live in the year 2022 and we think that there's no peace. You know why there's no peace in the world? Because there is a great lack of relationship with Jesus Christ in the world. We need Jesus. He is our peace. Jesus now becomes the common ground between Jew and Gentile. Jesus needs to become the common ground between people and all the different people groups that are represented in a room of so many. Jesus is the common ground. And even more than that, he actually is our peace. We talk about September 11th, 21 years ago. This attack on the great city of New York that affected so many people. Thousands lost their lives and thousands more, millions really, were impacted by that. So much chaos. And we can fast forward now into even the last couple years and the things that have gone on in the pandemic and the separations and the division between people and the lack of peace that seems to be going on between people. There's so much chaos. But we have peace if we have Jesus. We need more of Jesus. Sometimes we think we can have peace through Whatever, through a, a break and through, you know, ha- go and sit down and have a cup of coffee and, you know, maybe sit on the front porch or, or maybe we think we need to go on vacation and, and just disconnect or maybe we think that, you know, you could fill in the blank with all the things that we think will bring us peace. But the reality is that we just need more of Jesus. Now further, as it says, he himself is our peace who has made both one and broken down the middle wall of separation. Jesus is the common ground. Jesus is the way of salvation for both Jew and Gentile. 
So now there's no longer this dividing wall between them, or there's no longer a division between them because Jesus broke down that wall. Now, Paul is referring here to the temple. There was an actual wall of separation that kept the Gentiles out of the temple courts. It was called the Soreg. This is a man-made barrier that would deny access to the Gentiles, to keep them out of the temple courts. And Paul was writing this letter uh, from a place of current experience over this issue. It was fresh on his mind because he was under house arrest in Rome because he was falsely accused of taking Gentiles into the temple courts past the wall of separation. That's why he was in prison. This is where Paul is writing from. And he's like, you know that wall... Yeah, the wall who got me where I am today. Jesus broke down even that wall. It was fresh on his mind. So with that on his mind, he had something to say about it. Jesus tore down that wall of separation. This wall was a warning to the Gentiles to go no further upon pain of Death. There's actual stones that have been, uh, have been found uncovered with this type of inscription on it. Gentile, go no further upon pain of death. That's a, a massive separation between Jew and Gentile. But Jesus is the peace that made, what does it say? Both one. Jew and Gentile, he made them both one through his blood. This is what the church is called to, unity. He broke down the barrier between people groups, and now in Christ, they are one. As we today are one in Christ, through relationship with Jesus Christ, we are one. And yet even the church gets so caught up in so many divisive things. This grieves the Holy Spirit, as Paul will later talk about in this letter. Whatever our differences are, they don't matter under the blood of Jesus Christ. Under the lordship of Jesus Christ, the cross makes us one. Jesus prayed for this. In John 17, Jesus prayed that the people of God, the disciples, the church, would be one just as he and the Father are one. Jesus prayed for it, and then Jesus knew that his sacrifice would make a way for us to be one. You see, unity in the church actually has been accomplished. Our responsibility is to maintain it. But yet we find things oftentimes to get upset over. We find things to divide over as the church. But Jesus prayed for our unity. He died for our unity. And he said, by this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. But so much backbiting goes on in the body of Christ. So many fingers are being pointed at the deficiencies rather than celebrating the work that God has done through his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus prayed 
for our unity, that we would be one under his sacrifice. And really, when it comes down to it, nothing else really matters. Jesus shed his blood so we could be one. So what are we doing fighting against that? His blood covers us. His blood, his his love covers a multitude of sin. So why? Why are we so often trying to uncover ourselves from the covering of grace, from the covering of the blood of Jesus? This discounts the grace of God and the blood of Christ. And guys, division is the work of the devil. When we get caught up in it, we're playing into his hands. I've said it to our church at home. I said, sometimes when the church is arguing over nonsense and we have division going on in the church, the devil's just sitting back eating his popcorn. Like, hey, look at that. We're winning. Don't give place to the devil. Verse 15, then we continue. It says, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, enmity that is the law of commandments contained in ordinances. He abolished, and now he's clarifying, Paul is clarifying here, how great the work is that Christ has done through his blood. Abolishing the enmity. Abolishing is ridding ourselves of, casting out the enmity the separation, the hatred, completely eliminating it. Yet we get caught up in trying to bring it back. Jesus abolished it, and yet we're like, no, come on back, division. Come on, let's put up some walls. Now, I I don't know if you guys uh, do the same thing out here in California, but we put up fences around our yards in New Jersey, right? I've seen some around here. There's actually walls I've seen around some houses, right? You build it up a little higher, get some privacy because there's the hills that you got to deal with in this area from what I've noticed. But, you know, we put up walls, we put up fences around our properties because we want some privacy. We want to be left alone. But you know what? In the church, we shouldn't have fences. We shouldn't have walls. But yet we do that. We're like, you know what? I need my alone time, I need to be left alone. I need to have my fence. I need to have my space because that's where I'm going to find my peace. But actually what Paul is teaching is the opposite. Jesus is our peace. We need more of him. We need more unity with the body of Christ to actually accomplish that peace between people and that peace within ourselves. And now as he says it, he abolished in his flesh, the flesh of Christ overcame the cross. He suffered and died in his flesh to make way for our unity. The law was the centerpiece of the division between Jew and Gentile. But Christ fulfilled the law. In his flesh, he lived a perfect life. He became the atonement for our lawlessness, covering our lawlessness with his blood. The law is no longer the source of righteousness under the blood of Jesus. Jesus is now the source of righteousness. Life in Christ is now the source of righteousness for both Jew and Gentile. 
And then further it says here, this is so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace. There's these two people groups hate each other. The blood of Christ brings them together. And now he's saying to make a new people group, a new man, creating one new. This is the title now, the new title. There's no longer Jew and Gentile. Now the title is Christian. The church, the body of Christ. There's just the church, one in Christ. Early Christians actually called themselves the third race or the new race. That's what the early church called themselves. Would we make that great claim today as the body of Christ? And we could go back even to last Sunday a little bit and talking about our identity. And oftentimes, what do we identify as? Well, I identify as being from New Jersey, right? You identify as, you fill in the blank, your heritage maybe, your last name, your first name, where you came from, what you do, your job. And when we look around the church and say, who are we? Well, I am of Christ. Or we say, no, no, this is who I am. My job and my, my race or my identity is in, you know, my heritage, would we say of the church today that we are of Christ? We are one in Christ. I'm reminded of Joshua with the angel of the Lord. When the angel of the Lord showed up to him and he fell down, he said, are you for us or are you for our adversaries? And the angel of the Lord says, no. This was a multiple choice question. <laughs> us or our adversaries? He says, no, there's actually a third option. He says, as the commander of the army of the Lord, I now come. Interesting here, that appearance to Joshua is known as a Christophany. It is Christ, a pre-incarnate Christ. An appearance of Christ bringing about unity, a third option. No, as the commander of the army of the Lord, here I am. So after the old barrier was abolished, now we get into verse 16, a new bond is established. Here, verse 16, it says, and that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, therefore, thereby putting to death the enmity, that he might reconcile both. You see, recognizing this, both needed to be reconciled. Both Jew and Gentile need reconciliation. It doesn't matter who you are, where you came from, what your heritage is. It doesn't matter if you've been a Christian for one minute, one day, one year, a hundred years. We all need reconciliation with God. It doesn't matter if you're not a Christian at all. You still need reconciliation with God. That's what matters. We all have the same great need, just as the Jews and Gentiles both had the same great need of reconciliation. We need to be reconciled to God, no matter how good we think we are. 
I was a good kid. I was raised in a Christian home. My dad was a pastor since I was seven years old. And, you know, I, I went through life living that way. But, you know, it was when I was like 15 years old when I had this awakening of my own to realize for myself, I need to walk with Jesus. I need to be reconciled to God. And that comes through my relationship with Jesus Christ, through the blood of Jesus Christ, and not because my dad's a pastor, not because I'm going to just ride on the coattails of my parents' faith. I had to make a decision for myself. And that's the reality for every single one of us. It doesn't matter if we come to church. It doesn't matter what we might label ourselves as. It matters that we would be reconciled to God through relationship with Jesus Christ. All have been brought together through relationship with Jesus Christ into one body, and that is the church. Where our unity in Christ under the blood of Christ is far greater than our differences or our our petty separations. Let me be honest, guys. Most things are petty differences that people would divide over. And and again, I spoke of, of social media a little bit last week, but this is one thing, again, somebody puts a post on social media and then everybody takes to the comments and starts ripping each other apart in the comment section to speak ill of another. And oftentimes it's another within the body of Christ. Sadly, it's others within the body of Christ. This is not fruitful. We really need to not sweat the small stuff. And everything is small stuff. Remember this. Our unity in Christ under the blood of Christ is far greater than our previous or our current petty differences. This is all part of God's perfect plan for our sanctification. So maybe you're sitting here and you have an issue with somebody across the room. Or maybe you have an issue with somebody in the second or the third service. You're like, I'm not going to that service because I know they're going to that service. And I don't want to run into them in the hallway. Maybe you're struggling with somebody else in the body of Christ. Remember this. They are God's workmanship, just as much as you are God's workmanship. They are valuable, just as you are valuable. So then here's what we need. We need to work it out. Because I've got news for you guys. We are going to spend eternity together. So you are stuck with one another. (laughs) And that's a blessing. We need more sanctification. And God has put us in each other's paths for the purpose of sanctification. Embrace it. Don't reject it. Embrace it. Jesus brought about such great change, and he brought about this new man or a new race. 
Verse 17, we continue. It says, And he came and preached peace to you who are afar off, to those who are near, and to those who are near. So this is how he did it. He preached peace to you who are far off and who are near. The cross of Christ is sufficient to bring people together. And listen, the gospel is relevant in the church and in the world. The gospel is relevant. The same gospel for Jew and Gentile. The same gospel for every single different type of people. The gospel is relevant. And that gospel is peace. Because who is peace? Jesus. Whether far off or whether near, they were all lost. Equally estranged from the Heavenly Father and needing to be brought near equally in need of Jesus because of sin and separation. Romans chapter 3, verse 22 and 23 says, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and in all who believe, for there is no difference for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. No difference, it says. All have sinned. So here in verse 17, we see how we all have the same great need and that the gospel is relevant to meet that need and that Jesus is the answer. Now verse 18, let's get into, we'll see that all, whether near or far, Jew or Gentile, have the same access. Look here, verse 18, for through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. We have the same access through Jesus Christ. Access was given through the cross. The veil of the temple was torn in two. Previously, only the high priest was allowed to enter the Holy of Holies and only one time per year and under very strict parameters. But the cross, the death of Jesus Christ gave access and That access has been maintained. It wasn't just a one-time thing, and we have momentary access. It was one and done. And we have maintained that access to the Father, yet we don't always enter in, do we? We don't tap into that access. This access is a gift that is reliant only on Jesus, no one else and nothing else. Circumstances don't dictate our access. Whether we feel far away, our circumstances are difficult. Whether the atmosphere works for me, oh, I, I, could, I could have access to God when I come to church and, and the temperature's just right and I get the seat that I wanted to sit in and I get, didn't have to walk too far from the parking lot and, and the, the music is the right volume and they selected the right songs and the pastor said some nice things and then I'll enter in. But we have direct access every single day. 
to have fellowship with the Father, and that is by the blood of Jesus Christ. We need to tap into that access and enter in, always ready to worship. Romans chapter 12, verses 9 to 13 says this, let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love in honor, giving preference to one another. Not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints and giving to hospitality. It says here a lot of things for the church, right? For the believer, but it says be fervent in spirit. The word fervent means intensely passionate, hot or glowing, The translation of the text meaning boiling. That's where we are to be as believers. We show up. We come to church to worship Jesus. We need to be on fire. But not wait to show up to church. We should be fervent in spirit. Boiling hot on fire for Jesus every single day. Being fired up is not a type of personality. It is a type of obedience. It's not about emotion or circumstance, but about who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. That should put a smile on our faces today. And it's about the fact that we have direct access to him. Father, Son, and Spirit unite to give us that direct access. We have been saved by grace through faith, kept by the power of the Holy Spirit. So we remember this. Reviewing these few verses here, the old barrier was abolished and a new bond was established. We all have the same need to be brought near to God. The gospel is relevant and Christ is sufficient. We all have the same access. It is a gift. Embrace it and enter in. Our unity is found in the blood of Christ. Our unity is his workmanship. Our unity actually influences the world in a mighty way. And listen, I want to close with this scripture, Psalm 133. It says... And you've probably heard it before. Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil upon the head, running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron, running down on the edge of his garments. It is like the dew of Hermon, descending upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, life forevermore. Life comes out of the unity of the church. The world needs the unity of the church. The unity of the church is so foundational. As Jesus said, go make disciples. The unity of the church, the unity of the brethren is so foundational to that. 
And thinking about these things, I'm thinking about Pastor Chet's in Israel. I've been there a few times, and I I was able to see some of these things and and get a picture of this as it talks about the, 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 it's like the dew of Hermon, right? The, The unity of the brethren is like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion. Now, the Hermon is the largest mountain peak in Israel. And the Hermon actually feeds. There's, there'll be snow up there, and there will be dew up there. And as the snow melts, and as the dew runs down the mountain, there will be then springs, and there will be a river that runs down through the whole Galilee region, right to the Sea of Galilee, then out of the Sea of Galilee, through the Jordan River, all the way down to Jerusalem. The water what would feed the land, and it's a beautiful, fertile land, what feeds the land is the dew from Mount Hermon. And so there's a picture for us, a beautiful illustration here in Scripture. The unity of the church, the unity of the the brethren, it feeds, it brings life, Out of our unity will feed life and preach Jesus more than most other things. And that brings life to the world. Out of the the dew of Mount Hermon descending on these mountains, for the Lord commanded the blessing, and there's life forevermore. It's so fertile and so beautiful, so green and lush. The unity of the church is the same. The unity of the brethren It has been accomplished, and it is on us to maintain. We need to recognize that. We have access to Jesus. Every single one of us have the same access. The old barrier was abolished. The new bond is established in Christ, and we need Jesus. Let's pray. Jesus, we do just proclaim that today. We need you. We need more of you. Draw near to us. Help us see how desperate we are. We thank you for hope. We thank you for peace. We thank you for your grace. Today, again, I want to give you an invitation if you've never entered into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Maybe you're lacking peace in your life because you don't have that relationship with Jesus. And you're longing for peace. Enter in. Asking Jesus to come into your life. And so I invite you today, if you've never done that, know this, Jesus, the Son of God, lived a perfect life. He died on the cross for your sins and he rose from the dead 
to bring you near, to give you opportunity to walk with him, to have eternal life. So if you never invited Jesus into your heart, into your life, to be your Lord and Savior, and you want to do that today, I would ask you, would you raise your hand? God bless you. If you raise your hand, let me just see. Keep it up so I can see. God bless you. And I'm just going to lead you in a prayer in a moment. Anybody else? Praise the Lord. Anybody else? God bless you. I see you. Amen. Praise the Lord. God bless you. Amen. Anybody else? If you raise your hand, you could pray this prayer. You can repeat these words. And again, there's no magic in these words. It's the work of Jesus Christ. That you're surrendering your life to him. You say, dear Jesus, I believe in you. I confess that I'm a sinner. And I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. I believe that you rose from the dead and I give you my life. I invite you in to be my Lord and my Savior that I might have fellowship with you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening, and we hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you have any questions or just want to check us out, make sure to visit us at ccsouthbay.org. God bless you guys, and we'll see you next week.